So they say this Tang Dynasty um, Zen master named Shui Feng um, was teaching one day, and he said, you know, on South Mountain, there's a turtle-nosed snake. Um, and he says, well, the way it's translated. So I have two translations of it, both done by the same guy. But they're, they're in different koan collections, right? And um, in one of them, he says, everyone should look out for it. And the, the implication is sort of, you know, like, be wary of it. And the other one, the other translation is, everyone should go have a good look. <laughs> so, you know, literally pick your poison. Um, but... Um, and there, there's some hijinks after that, but the main hijinks I'm going to also bring in is um, a student of Shui Feng, this, this guy named Yunmen, who became literally the most, one of the most famous Zen masters of all time, um, was there in the hall, and he jumped up, and he took his staff, and he threw it down on the ground, and he goes, Ah, oh, snake! <laughs> um, and, and so that's the story, right? Um, Shui Feng was an interesting guy, and he, 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 the story of his life is very complicated and, you know, kind of, um, to the extent that we know anything about it, um, full of the diligent pursuit of practice and also doubt and difficulty and recrimination and so on and so forth. But by the time he was a senior teacher, he was, he was fond of saying things like, you should have a, go, have a good look. And the reason why I think that's what he meant in, the, in this koan, there's, there's other koans where he says something, he uses essentially the same formula, right? That one of them is this great story where he says, okay, you pick up the world, the whole world, in between your fingers, it's like just the size of a grain of rice, right? And if you throw it down on the ground, if you still don't get it, I'll call everyone in here. I'll go out and ring the bell, and I'll call everyone in, in here to have a look, right? To, to, um, and, you know, what he's talking about, of course, is having people come in and sit zazen. But... You know, do shikin taza, um, but but that whole thing of of standing up next to it and having a look of 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 holding the whole great world, the universe, in between your fingers and um, and, and feeling it just like the, the you know the size of a grain of rice. That's a that's a that's sort of a trademark of his, right? So uh, that's how that's how I look at this. This whole turtle nose snake thing too, and I, I think this standard interpretation of turtle nose snake is that it's a it's like a cobra, right? So it's really poisonous, and and dangerous, and and also 
beautiful, slippery, and mysterious, right? And, and wonderful, right? And I wonder if anyone wants to, if, if you're looking at the turtle-nosed snake as a metaphor, I wonder if anybody wants to, um, wants to volunteer a guess about what it's a metaphor for in the context of this column. Think beautiful, slippery, dangerous, and mysterious, mm-hmm. right? Ego. That. Good. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. And what, what, anyone what else? Sorry? What was that? Ego. Ego. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's good. What else? I also see that it's sort of ambiguous, like a pile of stuff. It can be a lot of things in itself, and so you just kind of like pick your own adventure up or something Yeah. Yeah. I would also say that it's that it's a that even that even more broadly, it's just a metaphor for the for the process and practice of a human life, right? Which includes a lot of ego. Let's be clear, right? And and it's it's dangerous and poisonous, right? Um, and also indescribably beautiful and and a gift beyond our wildest imaginings, right? Um, that's what he's talking about. The, there's this idea, I think, that, that if you practice enough, um, I think a lot of people have thought this in the past, that if you, if you can, there's a, there's a thing you can do, some kind of um, uh, cathartic event or or superhuman effort you can make that will that will convert this life that's driven by ego and self construction by um, grasping and aversion. Um, and all the other things that arise out of that into some kind of um, heavenly, untroubled um, ideal, right? And, you know, Agent Smith in The, um, in the Matrix um, talks about how even the the you know machines um, back when they were trying to um, figure out how to keep whole batteries of of humans alive so they could you know use them as a power plant said we tried to make him happy and it worked terribly <laughs> it didn't work at all right it, it it's not like that and that's not the function of practice right um, because without without our components without our human components we're not human and without our caring the caring that we bring to our life um, we're also not human Um, and one of the things that you can say categorically is just that life is so sad and difficult right um, if you really let it register the, 
the kind of, you know, when, when, things are thin, when things are full of joy, they're joyous all the way top to bottom. When things are, are bitter, they're bitter all the way to the root. And when, when that really dawns on you, that's, that's the snake bite. Um, when you stand up close to it and meet it, that's the practice. And there's this guy, um, I think his name is Justin Schmidt. Did anybody read the article about him in the... The New York Times. He was just. They just had an, an obituary in the New York Times. Yeah. He was this guy, and his um, his um, kind of moniker or, or epithet was he was the king of sting, and what he did was he studied bugs, and in particular, he studied what it felt like when they stung you, <laughs> and he allowed. Countless wasps and ants and, and other other stingy bugs to sting him and studied studied the pain that they caused him intimately and um, and he cat, he cataloged it, right? But the other thing he did was he used this incredibly beautiful kind of poetic language to do it. Like he he would say things like it's like your lover bit you on the earlobe just a little bit too hard. <laughs> or he said, like somebody just fired a staple into your arm. <laughs> or the best one was this. It was, this is the closest you'll ever get to seeing the blue flame from inside the fire. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Like, like I was a poet of bug pain. <laughs> How did he die? What? How did he die? He died of natural causes. <laughs> I noticed that too. It's like I, I was looking at, looking at the obituary and I noticed that he lived to 75. And I was thinking, all right, you go. Like, <laughs> the, clearly the bugs are going to outlive us. But on an individual level, he, lived, he outlived all the bugs that stung him, which is, is kind of great. Um, for, on, the, on a species wide scale, though, the bugs are doing much better. But um, that's kind of what Dogen means when he says to study the way is to study the self, right? And to study the self is to forget the self. And, and you know, he also means what we were just talking about, right? When you, when you forget the self, what, what, that, what that's, you know, code for is something like Allowing this larger frame of reference to rise up and 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 hold the, our self, our ego, in in this kind of broad, spacious frame that that also contains all our other sensory modalities. Right, wonderful. Um, and and to do that, some. Some, you know, forthrightness and forbearance in the presence of the tr- real difficulty that people carry around with them everywhere, 
how do we know they do it? Well, because we've all experienced it, and that's the that's the novel explanation for human suffering that that's at the heart of Buddhism is that we're, that that difficulty is built into us just exactly because of how we're put together, right? Um, because of the way we're required to reify and um, and maintain a, a, a notion of separate self that operates, you know, independently in the world, in, in a world where, in fact, everything is co-arising in this deeply interdependent way, and there's no independent action, and there's no action without precursors and, and consequences, right, that, that are out of control of any given actor, really, anywhere. Um, but to, to, to live comfortably and skillfully with that requires that we all be a little bit like, you know, Justin Schmidt, right? Um, and we make poetry out of it. Um, and then the other part of the con has to do with, um, the way Shui Feng used South Mountain, right? He says that, you know, on South Mountain, there's this snake, right? Um, one of the, I've poked around and tried to figure out where Shui Feng was and which of the various um, mountains that are called South Mountain in China um, was near it, and there, none of them are near it, right? So um, there, are, there are a few, but, um, but none of them are near where, um, Shui Feng's place was. Um, and so what he's saying is you should go seek out this turtle nose snake and stand up close to it and maybe let it bite you. Um, or when you're ready, let it bite you. Let the biting happen without even you noticing. Right? Um, and Yun Men's point was no, it's right here. Right? No, no need to go anywhere to seek it out. Where it's 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 what's happening in this room right now, and it and it's what's happening everywhere around us. That there are beings um, living out a life that's driven in this way. Mm. So, does anybody have any questions about that? Um, oh, yeah, we got some.